Welcome to Executives Unpacked, bringing you inspiration from the boardroom. A series of interviews with key and senior executives from throughout the content media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity industries. Brought to you by Newco Global Executive Search. Welcome to Executives Unpacked. I'm Laurie Scott, co-founder and director of Newco's, Newco's Global Executive Search. Joining me today is Daisy Steele one of our associates in our cybersecurity division, and we're delighted to be joined by our guest, Lynn Dom. Lynn is an executive director of the Women in Cybersecurity, WESIS, and has more than 25 years of experience, um, having worked with various capacities across the cybersecurity and education sector, with involvement in grant funding programs, nonprofit organizations to provide education solutions to the cybersecurity workforce. Lim is very passionate about the needs for diversity, mindsets, skills, and perspectives, and aims to facilitate learning and discussions on leading with inclusion and equity. She's been recognized for her expertise and commitments in bringing the cybersecurity workforce gap um, and bringing the advancement of women in cyber. Welcome to the show, Lynn. It's great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure. Me and Daisy have been looking forward to this for some time. So, um, Lynn, I'm going to hand you over to Daisy, who's going to sort of start with the first initial set of questions. Great. Thanks, thing. Laurie. Um, so before we dive into um, our question, and as an introduction to everyone listening, this Newco podcast gives our listeners some deep insight into crucial leadership learnings from our C-level guests. So let's begin with some questions surrounding that. So Lynn, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned during your career? Oh, we're just going to dive right into that question, aren't we? <laughs> biggest lesson learned in my career <laughs> is likely just accepting the process, knowing that everything is a navigation and to know that sometimes that you're speeding up the process and sometimes you have to slow down and take a step back and only be as good as a leader as your willingness to listen. And I think being extremely mindful of knowing that there's an ebb and flow to leadership and that there is a navigation um, is one of my biggest lessons learned because we're always so, especially being a type A personality, we're always so like solutions focused and action orientated and we want to move things forward. I mean, that's our role, right? As a leader mm -hmm. is to like mobilize your community and mobilize the initiatives and efforts and make an impact in the workforce. But sometimes you just need to kick back and listen and accept the space and give it grace for what it's worth right there, because that's a learning and leadership moment itself. So I'd say one of those uh, biggest lessons learned is to accept the process and not be rigid minded or have preconceived ideas of what should be happening right now. Sometimes you just have to lean in. Mm, interesting. Thank you. And what do you wish you'd been told earlier um, during your career, earlier in your career? I wish I was told that even if a space is uncomfortable or a conversation is uncomfortable to, to dive in. Um, I was, I, one of the things that really transformed me in my career was when I was around my late thirties, someone uh, that's very dear to me said, do it afraid. And that's what I say to so many others is do it afraid because you have to step into the space of, I'm not, I don't know what's happening here, 
in my career. And I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm brave enough and courageous enough to step into this space and let my voice be heard and then just accept, you know, and, and to be able to, to move on from that moment. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, that was really um, a, a game changer for me is that, that, you know, that, that advice. Mm, that's very, that's very inspiring. What a great piece of advice. Um, and also, what is the best bit of career advice you have been given during your career? Well, the best career advice is what's helped me is that if I'm able to have an engagement, a speaking engagement, whether it's on a podcast or whether it's out doing a presentation or a workshop or a keynote presentation or a one-on-one, -on -one, if I'm able to inspire or empower someone, just one person, in one way and shift a little bit of change, then that's a job well done. So sometimes we take on this responsibility of changing it all at one time. And it seems like an extremely maybe unachievable task. But if you narrow it down to someone believing in you and knowing that you could step into the space and, and trusting yourself on being authentic and gen genuine, and having conversations that if you're if you're making an impact in one person's life, you're moving the movement forward in a very positive way. And so that's been extremely helpful to me and something that I hold, you know, kind of tried and true to how I step into each and every day. Fantastic. Great answers and uh, good questions, Daisy. Okay, Lynn. So let, let's um let's sort of talk about your more about your career i mean you've had many senior positions um loads and loads of accolades um and i know you were recently named of one of the top 25 leaders for security um for 2024 by by the cs hub huge congratulations massive achievement um can you talk tell me talk me through some of maybe the other um highlights that you've had throughout your career so I was really fortunate. The first time I ever stepped into the cybersecurity workforce space was about 15, 16 years ago when I started working for, uh, in, the, in the U.S., a United, uh, National Science Foundation grant. And it was focused on cybersecurity skills-based learning and many different initiatives. And so I was, I was very... Um, just kind of infatuated with the space itself, because here we are at a global critical workforce shortage. Yeah. Those that are involved in their cybersecurity careers are hyper-focused. They're ever-changing, always evolving. They're problem solvers. They're, they, take, they, they let their curious minds take them down the rabbit hole. They're extremely tuned in and tapped into the work that they're doing and very mission-focused. Mm. But you have this critical workforce shortage. And so that was the space that I kind of landed in is like the why, how could this be? And we all know in, in order to build effective cybersecurity teams, you, you can't have diversity unless you have the pipeline and you're not going to have the pipeline unless you're tapping into a diverse community. So that yeah. cycle goes around and around. And so I just was able to be fortunate enough to continue to navigate through my career, working through many different grants, nonprofits, and for-profits on those workforce initiatives. And how are we going to bridge the gap from getting more individuals, whether it's through traditional education or certifications or apprenticeships from, you know, and finding that hidden talent, bringing mm. them the cybersecurity and be able to bridge that gap so that employers, employer partners of ours would be able to, um, you know, hire them. And so 
for, with that space, I was help, I was able to help launch the Community College Cyber Summit. I was able to work on many different nonprofit initiatives, including the National Cyber League. And then I was eventually led to Women in Cybersecurity. So I worked for the actual WESIS organization ourself, myself yeah. for a few years before I attended my first conference. But it wasn't until 2018 when the conference was here in Chicago that I actually went to the conference itself. And I'll tell you, my career changed significantly because of it. I didn't know what myself was missing until I had that camaraderie that I experienced at the very own WESIS conference itself. So WESIS transformed my life yeah. and to be able to then step into the role of executive director of an organization that transformed yourself, where you could merge your passion and career into one is a space that. I just exist and I just, I couldn't see myself in any other place otherwise. Fantastic. I mean, uh, we had the pleasure of meeting you um, at RSA. We went to one of the WESAS um, sort of networking events and sort of blown away by the talent there and just the um, different cultures, the diversity and how everybody is embracing the, 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 the cyber industry. I mean, you've probably seen a lot of changes during your time. I mean, what excites you most about where the industry is heading right now? And, and how do you see the future for cyber? Yeah, so I have seen some changes just in the four years of being executive director myself. I mean, some yeah. really, you know, some really impactful changes is how the community is stepping into the space of allyship and advocacy. And so when I started four years ago, I was really a really part of those conversations of even meeting with other conference coordinators and directors saying things like it's hard, like representation matters. If you want to shift the change of the industry, then you have to put intentional actions yourself into ensuring that you're having diverse representation on the stage, not only inviting the, uh, the, you know, the, the attendees that you're seeking to have at various events, but ensuring that 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 representation is accessible to them because it's hard to be what you cannot see. Mm -hmm. And so when I really started that, those conversations kind of landed on deaf ears for a little bit. You know, it was like the conversation was started. People would politely listen, but it wasn't until about a year later and, and kind of mid in the pandemic where all of a sudden the community, the shift, the change was there. It was maybe more empathetic uh, type of leadership stepped into existence and maybe the COVID-19 kind of transformed that by yeah. work from home environments. I don't know what the case may be, but we also started seeing that that our community and the WESIS community, it's important to note that we're a woman in cybersecurity organization, but we're a community of men, women, and non-binary individuals that yeah. are all concerned about the cybersecurity workforce shortage. So therefore they're concerned and they want to bring more women into the workforce. And so, you know, all of a sudden we saw this community kind of rising into the space, really um, driving the change that's needed with their own, you know, goals there too. Fantastic. Fascinating. And this ties in nicely because I know Daisy's got some, some additional questions around WESIS. So Daisy, over to you. Thank you so much, Lynn. Um, now let's delve into the topic that holds great significance and is at the core of WESIS, um, being diversity and inclusion within the industry. Can you share the journey of WESIS from its beginning to becoming a thriving global community for women in the industry? And I guess what motivated its creation? Yes, so we were founded in 2014 by our founder, Dr. Amberine Siraj, 
who was at Tennessee Tech University at the time. The reason why is because at the time in 2014, she was a professor, a PhD professor at a university teaching in cybersecurity. But many years before that, when she was a student studying computer science, learning about cybersecurity, she was loving learning that space. And she was the only female in the classroom. And so when you fast forward, when she is now a PhD, a professor at a university in, you know, in the cybersecurity area, she's still one of very few in the her own classrooms. And so cybersecurity has nothing but career advancement opportunities. There's, you know, it's a lucrative career where, where those that are women and underrepresented can support themselves and support their families, but yet there is no women representation. And around that time, there was a little known study that said that women represented 11% of the workforce. Well, she wasn't seeing it in any of her circles of industry, academia, or government, wasn't even seeing the 11%. So she reached out to the National Science Foundation to receive some seed funding for the first ever Women in Cybersecurity Conference. And her thought was, if women in cybersecurity exist and she's not seeing it, then why don't we bring them together for a technical conference so that women in cybersecurity could learn and grow together? And so NSF said, great, they gave her, they did the calculations. They said, hey, it would be about $70,000 for you to engage 250 women. She took that money, was able to stretch it and engage 900 women and 350 women attended in 2014, 550 in 2015. And you fast forward each and every year, we continued to grow. And in 2023, the conference we had this year, um, in March that we reached full capacity in less than a half hour of opening up registration. So the conference just grew really wow. quick. But in 2018, we we're like, there's so much work that needs to be done. We're, we need to make this movement a little faster. And so that's when we've decided to become a nonprofit. Now we're a member-based organization. We have over 9,000 members. We're in 95 countries. We have 66 uh, affiliates. So I represent WESIS Global. Professional affiliates are all, all either within a region, throughout the country, or around a specialty area. Then we have 240 five student chapters. And that's just our community alone. We have so many different initiatives in order to create accessibility and opportunities to cybersecurity. Amazing. What a fascinating story. Um, So creating inclusive spaces in security is obviously crucial. Um, How does WESIS promote inclusivity and what strategies have been successful in making the field more welcoming to a more diverse workforce? Well, we know that the lack of diversity is a symptom of the lack of inclusion. And so we know that sometimes in some instances, the word diversity could turn into a feel-good metric because it's a metric you can measure. It's a data point. Mm. And sometimes in some instances, you could put in some initiatives and you can measure the diversity and you could put in these initiatives. And if that diversity metric grows, you feel like job well done. The success is here. And, but inclusion, inclusion is more complicated. Not many people talk about inclusion. So I'm really glad that you asked that question because inclusion is a feeling and inclusion is only felt when you're, you know, it's a feeling and it's only felt really when you're excluded. And so therefore it's not a data point and it's not a metric you can measure because that's why everyone goes over to diversity and not talking about inclusion because inclusion is this feeling. And so what we did is that we quantified the experiences of exclusion to identify the state of inclusion for women in cybersecurity. For us to kind of open up um, the conversation with industry, showcasing to them the actual data that we've 
discovered and unfolded so that industry could take some more responsibility on bridging the gap and overcome those barriers themselves. And so we have the State of Inclusion Executive Summary actually on our website. And if people go to wesis.org under initiatives, they'd find that five or six page executive summary and they could read our findings. But that's really something that we could do because we we always said when you cultivate the culture of inclusion, diversity will expand. And WESIS is a prime example of that. You look back at the pictures and the years and history of the WESIS organization, we're not only women in cybersecurity, we have always historically been an extremely diverse group of women in cybersecurity because we created this inclusive space. And so this is now we're really driving the change. We continue to power up and level up women, no matter where they're at in their careers, meeting them where they're at and leveling them up throughout their careers with many different resources. But now we're also having a conversation with industry and we're really showing them the data about inclusion and how we need to drive the change um, to create that inclusive space. Because we could keep working on the pipeline all we want. The world has been doing that for a very long time. But mm. if not looking at, oh, gee, there might be a leaky pipe here, then you're you're not paying attention. And so we want leaders and we want to have these conversations for us all to pay attention to everything at the same time. Mm. Such an insightful answer. Thank you so much. Lynn. So the problem of retention is a huge challenge in the cybersecurity space. Um, what advice would you give to cybersecurity leaders looking to recruit, retain and advance women in the industry? Well, first, I would start with reading the state of inclusion assessment. There's some really highlighted, um, really, you know, there's some data there that really came up to the top right away that was really impactful. For example, uh, 57% of those that participated in our assessment said that their second reasons for experiences of exclusion stem from lack of career and advancement opportunities. Well, that directly aligned with other data that we found in the study is that women in cybersecurity are experiencing a glass ceiling at around six years within an organization. So that would be a starting point. That would be the foundation for any leader that's listening right now is to take a look at that and to kind of take a look on who's on your team right now around that four and a half, five-year mark and mm -hmm. ensure that there is a strong career advancement and growth opportunity strategy already in place for that individual. So, because um, retention is very important and industry loses an incredible, incredible amount of money um, in it by having any type of turnover, especially having a high turnover rate. But in the cybersecurity workforce, that diversity of thought is extremely critical. And, the, and not having diverse mindsets is a vulnerability itself. You need to build teams with all levels of diversity. And it's not just gender, it's identities, um, ethnicities, cultures, experiences, backgrounds, and more. That it's all hands on deck and the adversaries certainly have it. So we need to have it as well. And so I would recommend leaders to, let's just pay attention. Let's, and then look at the data and put some intentional actions in place. And we have lots of resources that could help that. And so do many other er, uh, places too. 
Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lynn. Very insightful. Um, thanks, Daisy. So now sort of uh, let, let's bring it back to your experience again. We've got a couple more questions and I know Daisy's got a, a quick fire round, but um, just sort of when it comes to, to WESIS and, and obviously cyber and, and just sort of diversity, I mean, what sort of things keep you awake at night? Uh, what keeps me awake at night is the critical workforce shortage and the demands on the actual workforce itself. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much data out there and studies that show that already even existing cybersecurity teams are short-staffed and the demands on the cybersecurity workforce, in addition to reducing the high burnout rate, um, is really, really critical. And so- mm -hmm. There's lots of work that needs to be done in this space. And I know our nonprofit is working towards that as are many others, but yeah. this, isn't a, a, this can't be slow moving anymore. This has to be an investment in the industry and mm. it has to be an ecosystem and a multi-organization approach of everyone taking responsibility of if this investment in building up the workforce isn't happening now, this gap and challenges are only going to get bigger. Yeah. Yep, totally. And, uh, well, I mean, the organization is doing as much as it can to sort of make the awareness and, and get the messages out there and help organizations to, to lay the foundations to stop the burnout. Right. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, thank you so much. So sort of going back to you again, I mean, many executives we speak to, they can pinpoint various reasons of why they've had success. Um, and I'm sort of curious from, from your side, um, can you identify like a single thread that's run throughout your career that's led to your success and where you are now? A single thread that's interesting to me now at my age and my level and my career that I reflect back on is that I took no career move um, uh, for granted. Like I was always extremely grateful to be in the place where I was. And those connections were always really important to me, the connections that I made. Yeah. And throughout my career, it's interesting to me on how, how our paths cross again, like, like individuals that have mentored me 15 years ago, now will be invited and will be presenting together. And and, and, and those individuals that helped me launch into my career to begin with and believed in me so many years ago are now we're peers and we're colleagues and we're working together in this space. And even as that has happened to me, it's happened to others that have been impacted by WESIS, individuals that have received scholarships to come to the WESIS conference, that it changed their life and they advanced in their careers. Now I'm going to places like RSA conference and I'm on panels with those, yeah. those scholar recipients from five years ago. And we're meeting in the level of of as colleagues and peers in this space as we continue to work forward together, you know, driving that change and bringing awareness to what it's like to be in the cybersecurity workforce and what leads the change. And so I think that's one thing that really contributes is I, I really never burnt any bridges. And when I moved into a different career, it's almost like, or I moved into, you know, a different role, I kind of brought all the people from my past role, like with me, like I never let go of yeah. that. I kept on yeah. building the community. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, we were talking about it. We, it's it's like a community, um, the whole sort of cyber group. Everyone knows everybody or you're growing up with each other. And it's just it's so, um, yeah, friendships are formed and it's 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 great to see. Yes. Yes. I would have to agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. OK, Daisy, over to you. Thank you so much. And before we go to our final question, let's dive into one of our favorite parts of the show, um, which is a quick fire round designed to let people know a little bit more about you. Tell us something that not many people know about you. That I was a natural childbirth educator at one point in time, and I was a doula. And I often say that cybersecurity workforce needs a cyber doula. They need that calm, confident presence in a point of crisis. So, wow, <laughs> love that. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I, oh gosh, this is a conversation that I have all the time with my <laughs> husband and I would actually stay in the Midwest. Uh, he would live all over the place. Uh, but to me, I, my roots are here in the Midwest. Uh, the Midwest culture is where I, that is just a part of who and what I am. And I do love the cold, cold weather. So being in the mm. Chicago and areas for me, as a matter of fact, I would move even further north if I could but that's not going to happen this family won't let me so oh, that's lovely you love where you live ideal and what is your all-time favorite meal meal oh I'm a I love food so <laughs> my all-time favorite meal I would have to say maybe chicken parmesan um which is delicious, but I, I make it gluten-free because unfortunately I have to, but uh, yeah, all, all food is just uh, good to me. There's really not a meal that I would ever turn my nose up at or turn down unless, <laughs> uh, unless I had gluten in it. Uh, other than that, I'm all in. So, you know, Amazing. it's uh, something I struggle with actually. <laughs> a lot of food all the time. A foodie. <laughs> we love that. And what is your go-to karaoke song and why? Oh, Daisy, that's so hard. Um, <laughs> that is so hard. I think there's this song. Oh my gosh. I wish I could. I forgot the name of it though. Oh my gosh. Feel free I, to sing if you want to. No, I can't sing it. This is one thing I wish I prepped for. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I love all music. Bluegrass is part of of uh, you know, the music genre that I really like. But you know, I, I was a little bit of a deadhead at one point, and so I do love the Grateful Dead. And so we could uh put and great any Grateful Dead music on at any particular time, and I will definitely enjoy it. So, um, yeah. yeah. I like Amazing. to sing along to a lot of music as, as uh, <laughs> a lot of people around me don't appreciate it, but yeah, I definitely like to be singing. <laughs> and who are your dream dinner party guests, dead or alive? It doesn't matter. That is a hard one. My dream, I, I think it would be musicians of the past. I think it would be bringing up like, um, you know, and just getting to know like these brilliant minds and and um, what kind of brought them into the space that they were at and um, 
I, yeah, to, to be able to have a dinner party with, um, I think musicians that I've always kind of appreciated their music would be phenomenal. Like a Jerry Garcia and bringing up a David Bowie and kind of bringing those wow, folks yeah. would be really, um, enlightening for me. David Bowie was one musician that when he passed, it was a shock to me, quite honestly. And I never saw him live in concert. And so now when there's someone that I really appreciate their music, I make it a point to make sure to see them live in concert. I, I do really love live music. So, yeah. Great answers. Great answers. Yeah. Absolute legend. I'd love to have seen him. He would have been incredible. And uh, the way that he changes uh, different genres and the music, the man's a legend. So uh, this is what I love about that. All your answers were fascinating. So, um, Okay, Lynn, well, um, we're sort of coming towards the end of the show now. We've got one final question that we always ask, and I think um, for you it would be just great to get your insight. Something new that maybe is coming into cyber, what would be your one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody that's entering the industry? Is to, uh, uh, the one piece of advice is kind of the advice that I, I shared at the very beginning, is to yeah. accept the change. The change is going to happen, like accept that it's always going to evolve. It's always going to be, um, you know, problem solving. There's always going to be new challenges and to reduce any barriers that you might have on yourself with a rigid mind and to uh, just continue to have that curiosity that brought you into cybersecurity to begin with, continue to have that curiosity throughout your career and just be more open and fluid and, and really, you know, knowing that the problem solving and being a part of the the challenges of the puzzle of being in the cybersecurity workforce is part of the industry. Like you, that's, that's the space you're in. Um, and so changing with it is really important and continuing up on the educational piece of it and just, and, and being a part of the community. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, Lynn, I mean, unfortunately, that's that's all we've got now. I mean, I'll, I'd just like to say thank you. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to sort of host you today and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to sit with me and Daisy and go through go through this. And no doubt, I wish you all the success for the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated the conversation. It was a fun way to start my day. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more. For more information about Nuco Global Executive Search, we can be found at executive.nuco-group.com. That's executive.neuco-group.com.